What's going on, everyone? This is Andrew Beam of the Back Porch Podcast doing an intro before the intro of our episode on the top five hip-hop songs of 2012. Now, why are we doing it this way? Well, it's because I was the host, and even though I knew this was going to be a two-part episode, recorded it as if it was just one long episode. So, you know, that's a bit on me, but we let Corey kind of just do his thing and, and and give his top five hip-hop songs from 2012. And then we're joined again by Steve Tyson, also known as Elect, who put out a great album in February of this year called Intellectual Property. Find that on all streaming platforms. He joins us again. Obviously, you've heard him on the 1998 episode and the 1994 episode that we did in regards to hip-hop songs. So he's going to be going through his. And in this first part, we're only going to get to... I guess we'll say five through three for Steve, and then we'll get through five and four for the five and four songs, I guess I should say, for, for Corey in this one. I know we make mention that we're gonna about to talk about Corey's number three, but maybe that's just going to be anticipation for you guys. It's just building. You guys want to hear what that number three is, and you'll be able to hear that in part two. So let's not delay this any further. Let's get into part one of the top five hip-hop songs of 2012. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. My name is Andrew Bean. And I'm Corey Dempsey. Today, uh, we're going to continue a series that we've done before. We're going to continue to discuss some of our favorite songs and hip-hop through each year. Yet again, we're joined by Mr. Steve Tyson, Tyson, or Elect, as some of you may know him. Man dropped a fucking, dropped an album this, this past summer, Intellectual Property, out here. And, you, uh, and I mean, head of Jealous Listen Entertainment. What else you got going on, too? Because I know you're at least a, uh, you're a professor, out in the world, at least yep. even kind of teaching this stuff too. But, but welcome back, Steve. Good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you guys too. It's great to see you guys too. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Steve Tyson, aka Elect, <laughs> uh, musician, educator. Uh, yeah, just all around down to have fun. So right. yeah, I'm really <laughs> all glad around to be down here to and... have fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just really glad to be here and uh, talk hip hop with y'all. So we've looked at 1988. We've looked at 1994. Uh, two of years that have been considered the best uh, in the history of hip-hop. But now we kind of want to move on to a more modern era. We want to look at 2012. A lot of stuff here. Uh, this, is, this is an era, I think, for me, uh, when I started getting back into hip-hop. But I guess, Steve, let's go to you. 2012, I mean, I know 88, one of your favorite is, what is it? You'd say it's your favorite year. Obviously, 94, highly influential. But what does 2012 mean to you? Uh, I guess for me, 2012 was definitely a year of like growth and maturity. It was definitely that transition era from, you know, by early and mid twenties of kind of just being, you know, all around down to have fun. <laughs> and uh, now it's, you know, getting a bit more responsibility in life. Uh, you know, just thinking about actions, decisions and outcomes and stuff. So 2012 was definitely a year of, uh, traveling the world, uh, getting involved with a lot of different hip-hop efforts that were going on internationally, uh, meeting a lot of dope people, uh, just really connecting and making connections with people who are either from different parts of the world or I met in different parts of the world. And, you know, on top of that, too, just, you know, seeing how people lived life and, and really enjoyed life and, you know, whether it was DJing or, or going to various parties or, or watching people, you know, tag and do graffiti and, uh, you know, it's just really such a dope experience and, and uh, dope opportunity to just meet so many different people from so many different walks of life in 2012. I was in the middle of grad school, uh, getting my master's in international peace and conflict resolution. So, uh, just through the focus of that program, in addition to the opportunities that it provided, uh, yeah, there was a lot of music that really, uh, narrated and provided a soundtrack to a lot of those experiences. And Corey, uh, 2012, man, what about you? How did, what, what did it mean to you just even with hip hop? I mean, in 2012, I was really getting into a lot of new stuff and, you know, I kind of wanted to do this year specifically because I was trying to identify a year where kind of like a modern classic dropped. And 
in this year, we got one of those. And in addition, in 2012 was a year where a lot of the hip hop artists that I really love now kind of were just starting out and starting to release some of their first records, some of their really good work. You know, Kendrick had been around, for instance, doing mixtapes and he had done Section 80, which I really enjoyed. And then this year he drops his like major label debut. And so when I was thinking about a year, I was just trying to capture, you know, what these artists that meant so much to me, what were they doing in 2012? And then how does kind of their music evolved from there? Well, for sure. Well, with some of these artists, some of them had been around a minute and this kind of brought them back onto the scene and kind of led to bigger things for them. But at the time, they may have been a little misunderestimated. So the beer that we're going to drink with this episode is District 96, brewery out of New City, New York. They have a beer called Completely Misunderestimated. So let's give it a whirl. Kendrick Lamar, that ain't no word. That was also a really good crack of the beer, by the way. That was a very robust and thorough. Every aspect of cracking a can of beer happened in that crack right there. So excellent job. Well, thank you. But no, it, yeah, completely misunderestimated. Well, yeah, not a word, but it's on a beer Not a label. word, but hey. It works out. Obviously, like we said, 2012, it was a time where it wasn't just exploring music at this time. It was a part of our lives. It was part of the fabric. Like you said, Steve, it was a soundtrack in a lot of ways because I could remember listening to Good Kid, Mad City, driving home from work each night, and it just being an experience, feeling like I was on a journey. Anytime, because I was a reporter going from scene to scene, mm-hmm. it just always, it felt it felt like I was driving along with them sometimes because you could hear them driving in a car. Obviously, I'm in a completely yeah. different situation, covering the city of Troy, but completely different situation, and much like Corey said too, it was a year to explore artists because some of these artists were kind of just getting their recognition, just getting their shine. And it's been kind of cool to see what the trajectory was. So we're talking 2012, nine years later, 2021, Corey, what was it like to sort of take the journey back and start exploring to narrow it down to your top five? It was really fun. Honestly, Um, listening to all these records again, they all kind of had associated memories with them. Um, So when I was listening to them, it often kind of transported me back to, you know, I was living in Bushwick, Brooklyn at this point, just transporting me back to my backyard where I would listen to a lot of these records while gardening, while barbecuing, while just hanging out with friends. And, you know, all the songs I ended up choosing were very much a part of that playlist back in 2012. And it's just interesting revisiting them and also to look at kind of how how they've changed for me, like their meaning now um, and how I look at them and how I kind of analyze them and how I think about these songs. So it was really interesting to both revisit the kind of moments and times uh, that these albums and songs had associated with them and then to also look at kind of how they changed. Uh, Steve, what about you, man? I think you make a great point as far as kind of looking at it through a fresh lens. Uh, Cause there are a lot of songs or I should say there are a lot of, well, well, in the biggest picture, as far as my full list of like 80 songs that I was just listening to, to try to pick my five. When is it? Uh, like 80 there's songs a lot of problematic language <laughs> word, but there's like a lot of problematic content. And stuff. It's, it's almost similar to like comedy. Like if you listen to some comedians jokes 10 years ago, they're not going to fly today. Uh, so like certain lines and certain songs and stuff are definitely not as appropriate. I mean, they weren't even appropriate then, but it was definitely more socially acceptable for um you know the, the phrase is for better or worse but you know definitely for worse and so now thinking about it through a different lens you know what bars would be different what you know lines would be rewritten but overall uh the impact and i think the energy of each song is still this the same and still touches me in the same way despite having uh you know a different lens to look through now in 2021 unless you were odd future i feel like if you were odd future you wouldn't change that shit up at all 
They just would have stuck with it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Nah, Tyler's Tyler's new album is like super, super insightful. He's he's grown up. I think Tyler uh, he's going he's going through the evolution and maturing. He definitely. I, I, is. I really like the new Tyler record. Tyler I mean, no, is definitely evolving. It's great, and and, and no, Tyler's a great example of someone who has completely evolved. Uh, evolved like that when you talked about when you said that too, Steve, or just like or just even sort of the conversation about it. It just to watch them evolve to see where they've gotten. Like someone like Tyler. Like, Tyler, I feel like, has completely changed. However, I don't know... So, the other F word, I guess we'll refer to it as... I don't know if that one would have been dropped by any of them. I know Schoolboy uses it a bunch. uh, And definitely Odd Future uses it a heck of a lot. But, uh, I don't know. That word is a word I feel like somehow still sticks around. I don't know if I've heard it lately, but... uh, Yeah, yeah, you hear it in a lot of, like, Rick Ross tracks and stuff. Even currently. uh, Well, Rick Ross is talking about people. So, I mean, that that seems like the man makes up... (laughs) I mean, is there anyone that either of you guys on either of your lists would you say, you know, maybe they had that record or they had, you know, one of the songs maybe on your list, but they just didn't pan out later on? I'd say the closest one might be Action Bronson. I actually think the energy and the the kind of rawness of his early mixtapes, I don't think he's ever really captured that again. I think this was actually him at his best, but also like he just has a ton of shit going on. Like he's doing all these food stuff. So like, I don't think hip hop is really his main focus. And I think that's part of it too. Like this was when he was just breaking in. So like he was really giving it his all and now he's just like, ah, I'm going to explore different things. So like good for him. Steve, any of them on yours? Um, so an artist who's not on my list, but definitely somebody who was given heavy consideration is future. Uh, so he's somebody I think that, could land in that conversation too, as far as, I mean, everybody was bumping future from 2012. He kind of kicked in the door in 2012, 2011 ish, but really, you know, took over for the next few years. And at the same time with, you know, where he's at today, or at least the perception of a lot of the content in his music, you know, it doesn't have the same uh, impact that it did nearly a decade ago. That's for sure. Um, So without continued growth, you know, like you see in an artist like Tyler, the creator or something like that, you know, it can leave somebody, you know, a little bit stagnant as far as, you know, the expectation of what they can give you. Yeah. And I feel like future has kind of been almost displaced by young thug and Gunna, who, you know, from Atlanta as well, doing a lot of the same exploration, kind of like picking up where future left off and then just building yep. on it. So I yep. feel like Young Thug and Gunna have kind of taken that mantle and future is just kind of like not really not really a thing anymore, really. Yeah, yeah. And twenty one Savage too. Yeah, twenty one Savage for sure. I mean, I picked twenty one Savage over Future any day. I never I never got into Future for whatever reason. It wasn't my style and like and and part of that is the thing with two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve I felt like most of the artists I, I was really into were I guess what are considered the indie rappers. Uh, I really love Danny Brown. Danny Brown is, if anything, is what got me super interested or, you know, sort of reinterested or probably the most interested I'd ever been in hip hop. And then Kendrick, of course, with Good Kid Mad City, I, that record was just phenomenal. And then having it followed up with like To Bimpa Butterfly, it's like I'm, I'm hooked. I just want to know everything that's going on with that. So in terms of like sort of future style or just sort of what is, I guess, considered, you know, uh, I guess popular hip-hop or mainstream commercial hip-hop um i have only really truly begun to appreciate it to a certain extent where i for some reason like i i fucked with the indie side so much more and i guess that's the other thing i kind of wanted to ask you guys about uh just in terms of 2012 and its place in hip-hop like you know 88 being just uh really transformational in terms of where hip-hop was going and, and 94 just kind of you know bringing the East Coast, West Coast styles. What did 2012 do, I guess, just with hip-hop in general? I think Corey hit on it as far as it being the a, 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 one of the beginning years for a lot of artists who we kind of look at today as at the top of the game. Uh, so, you know, Kendrick Lamar being the easiest example of that. But there were a lot of artists that got their debut or, or started getting some serious attention around 2012 that are for sure certified as far as 
you know their musicality and and quality of the content that they put out you know nearly a decade later so i think that's for me that's probably the biggest um you know takeaway for 2012 but i also think more conceptually there's the evolution of you know there was at one point in the early 2000s you know artists like nas were declaring hip-hop is dead you know he had it as his album title because there was a lot of southern energy coming out that you know was a lot about dance tracks you had like d4l and knuck if you buck with crime mob and so many songs that had dances with it. soldier boy was coming out with crank that and so there was a lot of negativity around you know the south as far as like you know where are all the lyricists that's why artists like lil wayne and ti had an importance as far as you know bringing lyricism uh you know to a lot of southern music um I shouldn't say bringing it to there, but, you know, just having that within, you know, Southern music being Southern artists. And so 2012, I think kind of ends that era. And, and there's now the beginning of something new beyond this era of, um, you know, it, it's kind of the end of the blog era almost whenever you're thinking about like different eras of hip hop or, or things like that, because you start moving into streaming becomes, uh, an option or a bigger option around 2012, 2013. And, you know, there's just more things that happened culturally that also shifted that certain artists on this list definitely rode that wave uh, very successfully. So, um, yeah, I think it was a major year for where we are right now. Yeah. And Steve, I think your point about kind of the end of the blog era is a very good one because I think a lot of the rappers who started in that kind of blog era just doing mixtapes and showing up on dat piff and really getting their name out there this is the year when they like get their shot at an album someone like meek mill someone like future someone like you know really getting a full album out there because of this work that they put in during that kind of blog era am i wrong to say though too that and maybe i'm wrong but for me and, and i know i said a lot of the focus for me was indie but i feel like a lot of the music that was coming out then or at least that I was listening to the most in 2012, and maybe it was the year before, I guess I could be wrong, but it felt like a lot of them were mixtapes. I don't know if anyone else had that experience, though. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, like, a lot of Wayne's mixtapes were, you know, heavy, heavy going, you know, leading into 2012, and, you know, yeah, a lot of mixtapes, just, and that's just one artist, but there are so many mixtapes that were just in heavy rotation throughout that time, for sure. I mean, in that era, I spent, an inordinate amount of time on hip hop DX and on Dat Piff just <laughs> cruising through all the mixtapes. And like it started with currency in 2008 when he put out like nine mixtapes in a year. And then <laughs> I that. just, I just like, I just sat on these things, just like exploring every single mixtape and, and Lil B Lil B Wale was putting out a bunch of mixtapes yep. during that era it was great and like so much new music and you know this is kind of where it comes to fruition for a lot of those guys and they get they get their shot to like really make an album and like a coherent vision of their music as opposed to just you know spitting over a bunch of beats yeah and then there are other artists who you know will obviously we celebrate the ones who've kind of made it to last this long and have, you know, an extensive career, but there are other folks who kind of struggled a bit, you know, through that, they they had a really successful mixtape era, but then once they get their album opportunity and then other opportunities, it didn't really, Charles Hamilton is an example of that, uh, where his mixtapes were incredible. And, you know, he, his freestyle videos are going viral, but then you don't really hear from him after, you know, this blog era, so to speak. So, for me, yeah, like I said, just a lot of mixtapes and to kind of see people who have been able to go on and actually be successful with studio albums has been really fun to see as well. Um, the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, Steve, that you mentioned was sort of the streaming portion of it. Um, and, and it's just fascinating to hear you say, like, some people were able to sort of ride that wave. And I was just re- uh, recently listening to LP talk about how, obviously, it was he, he basically called it, like, the killer death jux. So I just found it kind of interesting to say hear you say that it was like streaming uh, played such a big part in a lot of these people's careers. I mean, yeah, if you have the opportunity to 
expand your platform through social media and, you know, through other opportunities that then people can just easily access because of streaming platforms or Apple music or, you know, whatever, just the easiest online access points for folks, then, you know, you can definitely catapult yourself into a different level just based on attention and, you know, having the right opportunities that you capitalize from that and in the market yourself toward. So, you know, if, if depending on either the artist's know-how or the team that's around them to help support them in that, you can really, you know, when there's an era of transition or a moment of transition, just like there is right now, like right now is definitely a transitional moment in so many different aspects of society. And so there are various opportunities for people to capitalize on that. I mean, this podcast can be an example of that. Like y'all have been killing it in this podcast, you know, through a pandemic and everything and, you know, having more opportunity to lean into this work is, is just a one, you know, minor example of just anything that you can, you know, take and run with. So, you know, some of these artists were able to do that back in 2012, you know, and we look at them today as being at the top of the game. So. No, it's a fascinating point, but I mean, appreciate that, Steve. Um, shout out to France. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys, our listenership wouldn't be as high as it is. Any any thoughts on on streaming, Corey? Because I, I would say, I, I, I mean, I would agree. It was it was a huge way that I was able to get access to any of these hip hop artists or know who any of them were. Yeah, I think Steve covered it. I think that you know it was that transitional moment, and it was kind of just a double edged sword. Like for a lot of established artists, the streaming thing kind of tilted it in a downward trajectory for them because you know, the way that they had operated previously wasn't kind of the way that things were happening now. And you saw some of them kind of like fighting against that with like the creation of title, trying to make it like more artist friendly from like these established people. But for the young up and comers, it was huge because they could get their music out there in more hands and get themselves known. So, you know, ultimately I think it is a good thing because so many people were able to get their music out there. But obviously, streaming has a lot of problems that need to be addressed um, because, you know, artists really don't see a lot of the money that they get for this this art that they're putting out there. So, like, you know, damn sure. What is the amount? It's tough. Steve, if you get if you get a million streams, you're making thirty seven hundred dollars. I thought you were about to say $37, which I almost kind of expected it to be. $3,700 isn't that much either for a a million streams. No, I agree with you. I just, I, it just sounded a little nicer, actually. (laughs) I mean, it's certainly better than 37, but it's not much. (laughs) 37 is just a weird amount, but that's ridiculous. So do you know what that works out to be, essentially? Or is it just like 37 cents to a dollar or to a stream or something like that? It's a fraction of a cent to every stream. Fuck if I know. I don't do math. That's not my thing. Um, but no, that that is absurd. So I guess the one thing then to that we should probably get to is a lot of what we're going to talk about. Obviously, is the top five. But were there any sort of honorable mentions that we may not discuss? So like, there are some people that deserve some shout outs in this realm that may not get mentioned in this. So I want to give a special acknowledgement. We've given this to Master P for his album art in the past. I gave one to. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff for his production on Time to Chill, which is still one of my favorite beats ever. I want to give a special acknowledgement to Death Grips. I couldn't find a place on my top five for them, um, but they released two absolutely incredible albums this year, The Money Store and No Love Deep Web. And I especially want to give a special acknowledgement to the album art on No Love Deep Web, which was just a huge fuck you to their label. And I appreciate that. Super fucking punk rock. Uh, Steve, I made you listen to Death Grips. How do you feel about them? Yeah, no, I'm I'm down with Death Grips. I I, I feel that you know their music is definitely um, you know well the the easiest way to say it is it has an edge to it. Challenging, uh, but it's very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it's aggressive as fuck, but I love it. Uh, and it, shout out to Emily Krauss, one of my coworkers. Uh, you know, because, you know, she also put me on to a lot of death grips, you know, during the workday. And I was you know really impressed with a lot of their catalog for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, to me, what they represent is just this, like the transformation and evolution of hip hop and all the crazy directions you could take it in because it's like, 
a metal record, but it's hip hop and it's not like shitty new metal. This is like actual hip hop. And like the drumming is just insane. All live drumming and MC rides delivery is just so gruff and angry. And I just love those two records. I couldn't find a spot on the top five just because there's so many great artists this year, but special acknowledgement, death grips fucking you guys killed it. <laughs> I just looked up that album art for, Steve, no you got any special acknowledgments? Christ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mentioned earlier Future with Same Damn Time. Uh, Beam also mentioned uh, Danny Brown. So, like, Blueberry, that track was one I got to throw an honorable mention for. It didn't end up making my list, uh, but it's, <laughs> that was in heavy rotation in 2012 for me. Um, Lil Wayne and Detail with Long Nories, make my list. But, again... I think that that's an honorable mention worthy song. And then the last shout out would probably be to Azalea Banks uh, with 1991. Um, so yeah, just shout out to all those artists for some dope songs that uh, I definitely appreciate and love, but ultimately didn't make this a five for me. We'll, we'll do some more honorable mentions at the end. Once we, once we know what each other's lists are, cause I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to step on any of yours potentially. All right, guys. So we're here to discuss our top five. Now, I'm just going to randomly choose which person goes first because I don't think we discussed or did any sort of a game to figure out who goes first. And I think it's easy enough that we should go with number number five to Steve because uh, he is the guest. It just feels polite. So, Steve, what do you got at number five? All right. Uh, so my number five song is Maybach Mute Group. It's their song Power Circle. Featuring Gunplay, Stally, Wale, Meek Mill, Rick Ross, and Kendrick Lamar. be at your back, and a bad be in your past. And the kids take all your good, and your wife have class. And you realize your goals, what's life without grind? Those niggas, your niggas, hope them niggas, well, it's mine. May the wind be at your back, and a bad be in your past. Steve, huge flex with the eight and a half minute song. I mean, yeah, there's that. I mean, there's that, and. Yeah, because then, like, the one question I want to ask... Well, first off, Rick Ross with the square root of a kilo is me is... I don't know why. Like, Rick Ross is just a hilarious individual to me. So the fact that that, like, his his line, if Michael Jackson was alive, he'd gallery to smoke one. Would he, though? Like, I don't know if that's what his thing Yeah, he definitely would. They found a couple ounces in his bedroom, in his little cupboard oh, next really? to his bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, yep. they probably just put that shit there and then tried to blame it on that. MJ been cooling in the 70s, bro. You don't remember the Afro and Bell Bottom days? He no, was I knew, out there. I knew what he wore. I just, for some reason, him smoking weed just didn't didn't strike me. All right, Steve, first off, I want to know who's got the best verse on that out of all of them. It's tough. Um, Wale. Gun plays is super hard, though. Gunplays is uh, so official. Like, it's wild. So I had that in my notes, actually, that Gunplay might have, like, stole the track from everyone. And he had the first verse, too. Um, I yeah. don't know. But, like, <laughs> Wale with my clothes different, like, quarterbacks at a close scrimmage, I just, like, I just yeah. thought the ingenuity of that line, I appreciated that one the most. But yeah, why, nah, why, he, this, he has a... why this song, though? <laughs> why this song? I mean, I think it's definitely one of the best, like, introductory songs on an album. I think that it is likely too long to be called an intro, uh, but it's definitely, the, it's the first song on the uh, self-made volume two from MMG. So it, it, for me, I think that it's definitely one of the best first songs. And then it also is an excellent verse from Kendrick Lamar. I think it showcases everybody from MMG really well. Uh, Wale has, you know, a definitely contender. Rick, Rick, Rick Ross doesn't even need to rap, really. He has like, a total of maybe eight bars on the whole song. Um, but Wale's verse is incredible. Stally's verse is really dope. Uh, I think he's definitely an underrated MC uh, just across the board. Um, and Meek Mill holds his own too. I think that his verse is, you know, pretty descriptive and it's, it's more storytelling. You know, there's not as much, um, you know, visual imagery like there is from some of the other artists and some of the other verses. But nonetheless, I think that overall, it's just a hell of a dope, you know, way to kick off not just an album but you know also like a top five not a not a verses but you know <laughs> um you know this 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 conversation for sure yeah i mean this is in the kind of the posse track hall of fame you know 
up there with Flava in Your Ear remix and the Last Huzzah remix, which I nearly had a panic attack because I was like, did the Last Huzzah come out in 2012 and did I forget about it? Dude, I had it came out in 2011. <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, holy shit, wait, did it happen this year? But yeah, Posse Track, just Hall of Fame because everyone just brings fire on all their verses and it's a great beat too, like so triumphant with the horns and just like celebrating hip hop in that way with getting everyone together on a fucking track and just, just spitting with each other. And I, I just love it. It's a great, great choice. Yeah. Shout out to Lee major on that beat. It's, it's an incredible beat. All right, man. Got to go big, I guess. All right, Corey, what you got at number five? So for number five, I'm going with Schoolboy Q's Hands on the Wheel featuring ASAP Rocky. And I keep the illish, trillish, bitches while I'm swagging it. That's my pursuit of happiness. Who is that at the end there? Great Absol cameo at the end of that video. Yeah. Fucking say, dynamite. They just left Absol hanging like that? Motherfucker's like nearly blind. And you're just going to leave him like that? Stranded? It's messed up. So... <laughs> I love this song. I've always been a schoolboy homer. Corey, why do you love this song so much? I, I love schoolboy. I think schoolboy is incredible. And, you know, I think the blank face LP is one of the best albums of the last five years. Um, so this as his introduction, I knew I wanted to include something from schoolboy and hands on the wheel is a song that I feel like is a sneaky kind of commentary track so on the surface, it's this like epic party song, right? But when you look at the beat, the beat is like really propulsive, but also like really dark and sinister. And then they're sampling this Lizzie cover of Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. And the just desperation in her voice is like freaking heartbreaking and incredible. So it feels like they're actually losing control of the proverbial car. And so... You know, it's kind of this party track while also commenting on this party lifestyle and like dealing with problems in this way. So I really like it for that. And, you know, it's really down to that beat by Best Kept Secret. Um, I think it's just such an incredible beat. No, I dude, I, everything about like that opening part, the sample of uh, you said it was Lizzie's cover of Kid Cudi. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that part of it, that that is always stuck in my head is that opening part and then the hands on the wheel part too. Um, Steve, what are your thoughts on this song? Yeah, I, I love this track. I think it's a great choice. Um, you know, Schoolboy is dope. The, the, I, I, overall, I think the best part about the song for me personally is the beat um, and the way that Rocky flows on it. Uh, I think that overall... Dude, when he's listing the, the drugs, that part, <laughs> that flow, I love that yeah. part. No, nah, he, he Rocky murders this track. Um, but yeah, for me, the, the best part about it is the beat in that sample of just like you were talking about. But yeah, excellent choice, dude. Yeah, and I love how ASAP like weaves himself in and out of the beat. And so there's this one part at the end of his verse where he goes, um, I keep the illest, trillest bitches while I'm swagging it. And then it cuts for a second and Kid Cudi's vocals comes in and it's, you know, crush a bit, little bit. And then ASAP comes back in. That's my pursuit of happiness. And it goes right back into the chorus and the hook. And it's just like the way he's able to like integrate the beat into his rap. I just absolutely love it. Fantastic song. All right. We're at number four. Steve, what's what, what you got? <laughs> so my number four song, uh, if I can pull it up real quick, uh, since you just mentioned the gentleman uh, is Kanye West oh, yeah. featuring Chief Keef, Pusha T, Big Sean, and Jadakiss with Don't Like Point One. They want to find me not breathing like they found Mike. A girl run a mouth only out of spite. That beat is so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that, ridiculous. That beat is hard. Everyone's, Kanye's verse is just Absolutely. one of the best on that one, too. For sure. I think Kanye's verse is my favorite verse on that one. But, you know, shout out to Young Chop for that beat. I, I picked it because I thought that Chief Keith definitely needed to be on the list, uh, but I didn't know of a way to kind of add him to hit, add him to the list while not taking away from anybody else. And I think that his song "Don't Like" definitely deserved to be on this list. But the remix of it is just 
it's got, you know, whipped cream and a cherry on top. So it just has just a bit extra with it. You know, when you add Big Sean, who's another person I feel deserved to be in the conversation, you know, in a 2012 best of type of conversation. Uh, same with Pusha T, uh, same with Kanye West, obviously, and even Jadakiss uh, as a legend, being able to hold his own and come through with, you know, bat and clean up for everybody I thought was real dope. Jadakiss at the end was quite, yeah, I, I, that, I, that like sold that song for me too. Cause this is one of the other standouts from, from the good music. Cause this is on good music too, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's on the, the cruel summer album. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was, that, that was the other one I would have chosen for this, but yeah, no solid song too. Yeah. I mean, chief Keith has to be on a 2012 list because I feel like that year he just captured the imaginations of the hip hop world in such a like, incredible way and it's like what we were discussing before about you know these kind of blog era rappers you know young people young upstarts trying to get their music out there and chief keef just came in with this song and took took the hip-hop world by storm and so like almost immediately you know kanye wants to jump on a jump on a verse with you and he wants to remix your song like yeah that you've arrived <laughs> yeah absolutely and then also you know them both being from chicago yeah. and you know representing for chicago on that track i thought that was you know just dope absolutely dope great song great choice in number four but Corey, now you're up what do, what do you got for your number four so my number four is going to be danny brown grown up it is a single that he released in 2012 not attached to any album and this video is also incredible. Scribble them my notebook and never did homework. Low attention spans, cause these Adderall work. Rock Tommy Hill shirts, runs with the boat. Rock poor kicks way before we even smoke. Man, I'm just pleased that Danny Brown's getting some love. On this particular list in this year, I just, as I said, I'm, I'm a fucking huge Danny Brown fan. Corey, why, why this song? So... I love how Danny Brown made kind of a nostalgia rap track for his youth. And then they produced this beat party supplies did it. And it's a beat that would just feel right at home in the era that Danny Brown was growing up in. So it's got the boom bap drums and it's got the scratching during the, during the chorus. And it's all like the hallmarks of what we were discussing in the 94 episode. So I just think it's so brilliant the way that, you know, you make a nostalgia track and then you kind of throw it back to um, that era with the production. So, you know, the party supplies beat is a huge part of it. And then Danny Brown is spitting this rags to riches story, kind of like in the same vein as Biggie with Juicy. And he's kind of doing the same thing where he's, you know, doing the rags to riches things with some clever turns of phrase. So in his second verse, he says, or in the first verse, rather, he says, remember all for dinner, all we ate was Crapton Crunch. Now we blow big blunts on the way to brunch. And so I love how he's kind of like spoken weed on the way to brunch and that that's how he knows he's made it. Well, I just love too, because it's like, that's a great thing to boast about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go, going to brunch high. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> The emo rapper talking about going to brunch high. It's just, it's <laughs> fitting. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I absolutely loved that track too. That's honestly the first time I've heard that song. Uh, and I absolutely loved it. It, it. It's definitely getting added to my driving around town playlist. Um, I love the vibe of it. The, the, the beat, I think you're absolutely right. It definitely connects not just to, you know, the era in which Danny Brown grew up, but, you know, just the context of the story. It almost has that nostalgic kind of feel to it um, in the sample and everything, too. So it's real dope, real dope. I'm happy you picked that. Dude, I love, too, like, in talking about that, because you're talking about that younger kid, because you showed us the video, and it's just like, it's Danny Brown rapping, but it's a little kid just getting spun around at the at the playground, just like someone just spinning around with him. I was just like, this is like the weirdest contrast knowing who this person is and what he's rapping about. But yeah. And I, that's why I love the video so much is because I feel like it captures this joy of childhood so well. And it's so funny at the same time, because you have this adorable little kid with just like the Danny Brown comb over peeking out from under his hat. And it's like so funny. And then the kid in the first verse, he's just like, walking around destroying shit knocking shit over and it's just like all the fun of childhood 
And then like they also work in some little bits like the origin story of Danny Brown's teeth. Yep. Like that's in the video. <laughs> so it's like it's just such a little joyous video. It's such a quick little song, but like, oh man, I feel like it just perfectly captures who Danny Brown is and where he came from. And obviously that's the purpose of the song, but like the video together with the song, it's just like that's Danny Brown right there. <laughs> I mean, it seemed real pleasant. I don't know if his upbringing, like, was the most pleasant, as we hear in pretty much any of his other albums, but, like, yeah, no, for sure. But what I am a little upset about is, yeah, the re- the origin story of the tooth, the comb over the hair, no- neither of those exist anymore. That is the most, obs- like, I love Danny Brown. He fixed the tooth, which, all right, cool. But then you cut the hair, too, and now it's just, like, I still love him. The man's still amazing. I just wish the aesthetic stayed. Yeah, it definitely added to his persona for sure. I mean, he's like forty years old now. He's got a. He's. But he's also, got a, where's he's forty? Where is forty? Is there? There shouldn't there be old and then like older and then like too old by like maybe I don't know. I, I don't know what age you would call it at, but. Nah, but we need nah, to do Danny Brown it. record. <laughs> yeah, nah, age is nothing but a number. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. So great pick. Love me some Danny Brown. Really glad that was on there. But so now we're now we're up to number three, the top three now. Like we're we're in the upper echelon even more than the top five. Steve, <laughs> what do you got now at number three? All right. So at number three, uh, I decided to select. Oh, it just went away. Hold on a second. <laughs> As in from your head, because I know your list is ever. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. My, no, my list is definitely uh, is available in my head. It's just the <laughs> the streaming platform definitely disappeared for a second but yeah my number three song is fucking problems by asap rocky featuring kendrick lamar two chains and drake is this just going to be an all posse track list because <laughs> <laughs> i fucking I hope so think about that that's fucking great <laughs> gotta have representation Every, literally anyone that ever made a rap song or appeared on a rap song in 2012 will be on Steve's list. <laughs> no, it's a really clever way to just get everyone in there. She eyeing me like a nigga don't exist. Girl, I know you won't did de. Girl, I'm Kendrick Lamar, aka Benzis to me just they car. That mean your friends is need be up to possible. You know, 2012 was big for probably quite a few people, but I, I it's also the year of like the two change feature. Which I feel like he was uh, like on so many different features as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know why. Two, also, two changes always coming in with the two chains. It's just it makes two chains exactly. <laughs> Steve. Yeah, and having Drake on that track too. I mean, 2012, 2011, You know, those two years were definitely Drake really establishing himself. Um, you know, for longevity's sake. This is not true. often you also get Drake and Kendrick on a track too. So no, not that, was, that was pretty dope. That's never, I don't see that happening anytime <laughs> soon. So Steve, number three, you, another, as, as Corey mentioned, another posse track, curious about what two and one are yep. going to be, but, uh, but why this one? Why fucking, I, yeah, I, so I mean, that I disagree, but this is a fucking fantastic track, but, but why, why, why in your opinion? I mean, it eviscerated clubs that summer in 2012. I mean, every club, the, the, like the, like, I don't know if y'all were, going out like that in 2012 or anything but you know the energy in the club especially whenever this trackway hit uh similar to like juicy j's bands to make a dance um where it just completely shifted the energy of the club even though if it was already lit um so i mean drake produced it with 40 um so it was one of the songs that you know, not often people think of as drake as a producer as well and he killed it with this track too um asap rocky's verse is dope i mean it, yeah the song is all about you know just the hedonism and pleasures of you know fucking but you know it's 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 dope as hell and i love it i don't know what you're talking about i also heard it at walmart i feel like i feel like this song was literally <laughs> like everywhere like anywhere you went i felt like this song was on it um, really was everywhere <laughs> definitely a song about fucking the beat on it is just fucking ridiculous and and like you said, having having Drake and Kendrick on the same track happened twice this year. Obviously, like we said, there's some things that came up, but, you know, it was a great moment in time. But, Corey, w- what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I was just trying to find the name of this this bar that I used to go to all the time that was, like, the best hip-hop bar in New York City. I can't find the name, but 
you know, Steve, exactly what you're saying. Like when I went back and was listening through all these songs, like that was the memory I had associated with it was this bar that I used to go to like 11 PM fucking problems just comes on and the whole place goes absolutely fucking wild. And you know, it's, it's all about the beat. Like, cause especially when you're in a club, like no one's listening to the lyrics. It's just, you're feeling the beat and this beat goes so hard. The only lyrics that you're hearing in the club or at the bar or anything like that is two chains verse, which at the same time, it's like, you know, you know, as problematic as all the language is, you know, if he's sitting here talking about bad bitches, he got women turning up being like, yeah, that's me. Like identifying with some of that, um, you know, imagery. And then you've obviously the rest of the whole song is, written from a male perspective and so then there are definitely men you know riding the energy of that too and so uh you know to your point it, it just kind of empowers the energy of just being out and you know just having freedom and being willing to connect with you know who else is out there it could be a fucking walkout song for anyone i feel like if this dropped i feel like the whole room would start shaking and just be like yes with the <laughs> I just that beat that beat just wobbles the fucking room, man. I, I it, it's a great fucking song. Was this the same year too that dude redu- uh, released like the bunch of uh, impersonations of Two Chains? I don't know, but that was my favorite YouTube video for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any of the lines on this thing. But I know it the would Two make... Chains impersonation was just hysterical. It would be a lot better if I could actually like even recite any of that, but. Because it, it's like what truly introduced me to Two Chains. Otherwise, he was just like on songs for me, and and, and, he, and he was good. But like then, when someone like pointed out like what some of his lines could sound like, I that's all I could think about. I'm like oh, here on out. <laughs> there's one where he's just going eeny meeny miny mo, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. He just literally he just wraps it, and it's just like, all right, yeah, that actually. <laughs> it's kind of accurate, but no, I mean, I love Two Chains, and <sighs> shit, what was I gonna? Uh, I don't man, know. That music video matter. does throw you off because Two Chains does deserve props. The man is the man is great. He even had a show built off of his success that was just him trying out expensive shit. I mean, wait, well, that was him, right? Yeah, yeah that was, was okay. him, and in the show. My favorite thing ever, or it wasn't in that, but it was in an ATL thing when they go to his like lair and he's got a basketball hoop and two chains is just out there shooting threes. And every time he shoots a three, he goes two chains and then <laughs> shoots, shoots a jumper. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make the whole thing about two. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Corey. No, but all my favorite like two chains things are not rap related. <laughs> it's also like Hannibal Burris's jokes about two chains and his rapping. <laughs> <laughs> on his like one night in Miami thing like I I love 2 Chains and I really do love his music but like all of the rest of the things around 2 Chains are just so funny and Dude, I just bir- love that guy birthday song is one of the greatest pieces of music ever written and like again Kanye coming in with some ridiculous shit the music video for it is absurd T- 2 Chains is actually like he's actually completely underappreciated I didn't mean to make this whole whole song about 2 Chains but like nah I mean he steals the show even though he only has a hook uh, for sure. I mean, again, that, like his, if you're listening to it anywhere out, his hook is what's the most memorable part about the song. Or whenever Kendrick's like, yeah, I know you want this, this. Like, because I was talking to people about this list uh, when I was telling them about this podcast. And I, whenever I got to this song, I was like, oh, I have fucking problems. They were like, oh, where with Kendrick? Girl, you know, like that line, like with Kendrick's line is what stood out to people, uh, you know, as far as just reminiscing about the song it was immediately kendrick's line too so man when you started that sentence i thought you were just gonna go around saying you were saying to people kendrick's line like that's what you were just like walking <laughs> up to people fucking saying it like, all right man cool no, it's not like that would be uh, a flex. Tourette's. no <laughs> not at all so steve real quick before i go to mine you know you did kind of mess up on the uh, 88 podcast by including a track that was released in 89 and long live oh. asap and listen, live- that track on the album was released in 89, <laughs> but it was around there in late 88. Yeah, I at least you. according to my research. And uh, Long Live ASAP came out in 2013. So should this count? Again, it's when the single came out, not when the album came out. I know, so. I know. I was 
I, Corey's just being difficult. He's just trying to be difficult. <laughs> it's not my fault record labels delay the album for whenever the singles get released. It's not his fault. You just you literally chose every single rapper that was ever on a song in 2012. <laughs> so well, that's the end of the... I'll, I'll like, tell you right now, that's the end of the posse cuts. Uh, right. like, I mean, 2012 was a ton of posse cuts anyway, but... No, yeah, it was. They, that, <laughs> and they were there are no great. more posse cuts. As, as, as Steve, as you've shown, they were phenomenal. They belong on this top five list, but... Yeah, I mean, you're just, listen, I'm again, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I, I know before I was trying to make it like some sort of versus thing, but now I'm not, but it's just turning into one because Steve is just like stacking the fucking deck and it's almost like by numbers. I mean, there, the quality's there, but it's also too quantity. Yeah, he's just able to include like 20 rappers because they all jumped on us, all these songs. Starring in Steve's list, all of your favorite rappers. Uh, all right, Corey. Number three, I'm, I, that's where we are, right? I don't even know anymore. We just like went on the longest tangent ever about two chains, probably on any podcast. Um, I'm calling it now. France, two let chains, us know. two chains is just a master of branding. <laughs> By just Absolutely. announcing himself on every song by yelling two chains, he's just becomes like just everyone knows him. It's right it's because if he, were, if he were still titty boy, we would not be championing him as loudly as we are. Definitely <laughs> not. We changed his name. Didn't even know that was his name. So I because two chain it's just been two chains for me forever. I haven't even looked up his history. I just know he exists. Has great lines, great features, great songs. That's all I needed. For him, in terms of existing, I guess, but maybe I need to go. Do I need to go back? Is it is it worth going back into two changes history? I mean, for only one song, really, would play a circle featuring Lil Wayne, Duffel Bag Boys. Uh, that song is, you know, definitely a banger. But I mean, back when Two Chains was Titty Boy, he was signed to Ludacris's DTP label. How did that uh, spell? T I T Y. Okay. Boy, B O I. Before we move on from Two Chains, I just want to say. His verse on Chance the Rapper's No Problem, another problem song. That verse is so fucking good. I I love it. It's incredible. Two chains, I love you, man. It, it kind of seems yeah. it kind of seems like we need like a subsection or a sub episode or whatever you want to fucking call it about just two chains where we just literally we just all do the it. best two chains features. <laughs> best, I'm with that. That'd best, be dope. Best two chains features. Just anything about two chains. It it's just like a two chains a two chains a, a oh my god I can't even say it all two chains appreciation episode is what it should be. I think so. <laughs> all right. I mean, this was kind of it, but also we need to do <laughs> we need to do an entire one. <laughs> we can totally keep going. got through part one not as long as maybe some of our other episodes which some of you may enjoy but we did get to hear like I said numbers five through three for Steve Tyson and then we got to hear Corey's five and four songs with again the mention of number three coming obviously you'll hear it next week in part two but did also get on a couple two chains tangents but that seems only natural right but hopefully you guys join us for part two next week thank you for joining us on part one enjoy the rest of your week